Hello, Chris here. This week, Tom Francis has recorded a one-off solo pod on the game that he's been playing loads of, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a PlayStation 4 exclusive open-world adventure thingy. Now, we thought we might splice this into the middle of this week's episode, but instead of that, we figured, given it's a console game and being beamed in from overseas, we figured it might better stand alone as a lock-in, similar to what we once did with Dishonored 2. The only reason I'm recording this is because Tom didn't say a sufficiently elaborate hello at the beginning of his little mini-podcast, and I didn't want you to be frightened when this began and, and you, you didn't know what he was going on. He was just talking to you about about robots. This has already gone on far too long, but before I go, I just wanted to wrap up by saying that this week... If you are in London on March the 31st, you can join us for our first ever live show at Rezzed, which is in Tobacco Docks. You can find out more information on the Rezzed website. We're really excited to be actually doing Crit and Crowbar live for the first time. Graham's going to be there. I'll be there. Pip will be there. Uh, should be great. Hope to see you there. But now, enjoy Tom Francis's hot, hot takes on hot, hot robot dinosaurs. So I'm in Seattle, and I'm recovering from a cold. Apologies if you can tell. Um... And I'm going to be back in England fairly soon, at which point I'll be back in the podcast. But when I do get back, the thing that I've actually been playing most in the time since I was last on is not a PC game. So I might talk about it now, and maybe this will become a kind of non-episode. That's Horizon Zero Dawn, and uh, it's the one with the robot dinosaurs. Although, actually, it turns out they're not, like, there's a robot T-Rex, and then the rest are not really closely dinosaur-based. There's a couple you could say maybe are like raptors, but then most of them are based on like chickens, crocodiles, uh, horses. They're basically just animals. There just happen to be a couple of dinosaurs in there. Um, I just recently got to the part where they explain why these things are around. Like, I'm playing this game. It's an open-world game, and uh, it's beautiful, and there's loads to do just in the open world. And so I just did loads in the open world, and I ignored the quests. And I love it. Um, I love the... Uh, I love the kind of visual of the of just robot animals walking around this completely natural and otherwise totally Earth-like landscape. Um, and the sort of nameless mystery of it is just like, why? Why, like, why? why are they there? Who built them? What are they? And why, like, specifically, why would they make robots that look just like animals? Why do they specifically make robot equivalents of animals? Um, and as I was playing, I was appreciating this and enjoying this, but also thinking in the back of my head, like... Please don't explain it. <laughs> Please don't try to tell me why. Like, I like wondering why, but don't actually tell me because it's never going to be good. Um, I've got to the point where they do explain that now and I, I won't spoil it, but, um, uh, in terms of like how satisfactory it was, it wasn't as, as completely dumb as I thought it was going to be. It still does not come anywhere close to explaining why there would be such, uh, exact equivalents of, uh, of normal animals, but it does, um, I don't know, it was just the thing that made me give it a bit of a pass in the end is just that the plot itself is just entertaining. It's just like, it's it's interesting to uncover. Um, I play this game in a very strange order in that I, uh, first of all, uh, I have to forewarn you if you're going to play it that the first like two hours is just this long, quite linear, story-driven bit where you're not allowed out into the open world and uh, I found it very dull. Um, the... It has, like, really high production values. Everything's really well-produced and kind of very cinematically presented. Um, the voice acting is good. Um, the story, I don't know, like, the themes and stuff I like, but it's incredibly long-winded. Just every conversation goes on ten times longer than I needed to. Like, I do that thing where 
I'll, I'll sort of indulge it for a little while and I'll let the conversation play and I'll be listening and I'm waiting for it to get it kind of interesting and uh, just at my like absolute threshold of okay I think I've had enough of this so I'm just going to skip it the rest of it that's when I start skipping and then as I'm skipping I realise I was 10% of the way through this conversation this was just going to go on and on and on and uh, I wish I could say I'd like you know I'm skipping because I've got the idea and I don't need to hear the rest but actually at the end of it I realised I didn't get anything from that conversation <laughs> and then like I just did a, a quest line that turned out to be about I think uh, I accidentally sort of uh, exfiltrated a king from a city I thought I was just doing like a bounty hunting quest and at the end of it it was like oh no we got the king out hooray like what oh okay um, I have no one to blame myself for that because I skipped the dialogue but um yeah, it's it's not like that thing where they get to the point quickly and then elaborate afterwards. It's the point is somewhere buried in that three hours of dialogue. I'm exaggerating. Um, so I, I, because of that linear opening, I think the opening is really bad actually, given how good the rest of the game is. Because the rest of the game is just it's one of my favourite open world games in years. Um, uh, it's incredibly generous in the way it lets you play and uh, how it supports everything you want to do, all the different styles you might want to try and all the different activities you might want to do except for the intro which is incredibly restrictive and well, not incredibly restrictive but it's just just forces you to do the least interesting things and uh, you kind of can't escape the plot you just have to do the plot stuff and the plot stuff is really long-winded as I say um, then you're out in the open world and that's the open world is um the thing it does better than most open worlds is that it's just um, incredibly rich with stuff to do. Um, no, that sounds really vague. Um, that just sounds like the compliment that everyone, every open world game wants to say about their own thing. Um, the reason it is true in, in Horizon is because of the robot animals. And the robot animals are... Um, they're designed like bosses, and I hate boss fights, but they're not really bosses. Well, they kind of... Um, the thing they don't have in common with bosses is that they're not about um, sinking masses of uh, damage into this thing mindlessly. And they're also not special cases. They're not um, uh, bullshit. I hate bosses because you learn to play the game and you get good at the systems and you learn to use the tools and then the boss is just an exception to those. Oh no, you can't do a, a stealth kill. No, you can't do a, a, you can't use a disable on this guy. Um, and also he's got ten times the health and Bosses do have glowing weak spots, and that's what, make, that's what makes me call Horizons Animals bosses, because they all have glowing weak spots. Um, but those glowing weak spots, rather than being things that you have to pump damage into again and again, if you hit them at all, basically, you will destroy it and uh, destroy the weak spot and uh, cause the effect. And that's where it gets interesting, because it's not about hitting the weak spot for massive damage, although it does do massive damage. The weak spots themselves have special properties. So the, one of those basic creatures is just like a, a mechanical horse uh, called a strider, and on its back, it has a blaze canister. And a blaze canister is like a, a fuel cell, basically. And the animal itself, I don't think, ever uses it as a weapon or anything. It's just uh, it's there to power it, I guess. Um, and if you shoot that blaze canister with a like a normal arrow, you'll do extra damage. It's a weak spot. And uh, with a couple of shots, you'll destroy the blaze canister. Um, and that'll take out most of the, the creature's health. But if you shoot it with a flame arrow, because it's fuel, it will catch fire... And then, like, a few seconds later, it'll explode with tremendous force, nearly destroying the horse itself. But also, if there's any other enemies nearby, they all get caught in the blast. And so, 
it's this great tiered level of, of success. You could just shoot the fucking horse, <laughs> as you always can in video games, uh, and it'll do minimal damage. You can shoot the weak spot for more damage, um, or you can shoot the weak spot with the right type of ammo, and then when the enemy is in the right place, and you'll not only do a load of damage to that enemy, but you also do loads of damage to the surrounding enemies. And that's just one element. So there are also like power cells, which are shock um, element. And so if you shoot those with a shock arrow, uh, after a second, they'll like frazzle, and then they'll blow up with the shock blast wave, which disables everything in, in that um, area. And then there are also freeze canisters. If you shoot those with a freeze arrow, they freeze everything. Um, fire does damage, and then also does damage over time. Uh, shock disables things for like sort of five seconds-ish, uh, if, if things get shocked enough. Um, frost doesn't disable things it kind of like stuns them for a second but the main effect is that while the while the freezing effect lasts they take extra damage it feels like about 50 percent extra damage from everything so everything you you hit them with um uh, it might even be double damage actually because that's one of those things where they tell it to you and you think okay i don't think i really care and then you try it and you're like holy shit <laughs> just wiped out that entire horde what's the what's the collector noun for horses i wanted to say horde of horses uh uh, now I keep wanting to say flock. <laughs> what is it? Uh, I don't know. A group of horses. Stampede. Um, a fleet of horses. <laughs> An armada of horses. That's what it is. Um, so, okay, that leads me directly on to another thing I really like about the open world and and the structure of this game as an open world game in general, which is um, the Hunter's Trials. And I'm the last person to give a shit about the challenge type things in an open world like open worlds always have the main quest side quests um random killing of things that you encounter just as you wander around um stupid out of context challenges and uh, collectibles and a couple of other standard tropes and usually the challenges things challenges and collectibles are the things i care least about and uh the challenges will just be like they'll just make no sense in the world they'll just be like in this location try and kill 20 guards with a flamethrower which we've given you infinite ammo for and um who cares the challenges in horizon are hunting grounds and they are an area of the open world that is um uh that just has a, an interesting mix of creatures it's not like cordoned off or anything it's just a, just a certain area of the open world you can walk into it and, and fight those creatures anytime um, but nearby there'll be a campfire and a, a hunter guy and you'll talk to him and he'll tell you what the three trials are and they will be stuff like um, stun bellowbacks and while they're stunned shoot their exposed canisters I can't remember what kind of canisters they are but um, oh, they're probably blaze canisters if it's a fire bellowback and they're probably frost canisters if it's a freeze bellowback uh, bellowback is a huge kind of I'm not sure what animal these are based on <laughs> um, uh a thing with a giant sack of fuel on its back, um, and they're very powerful. And they, so one cool thing about these, these trials is that they don't, they're not bullshit. They don't set up some special circumstance. Um, I think the area that they happen in, the hunting ground, I think probably when you accept the trial, it resets it to some kind of default state so that, you know, it ensures that you haven't, if you'd just been through there yourself and you'd killed all the creatures and then you accepted the trial, the trial would be impossible because the creatures are already dead. So I think it resets it to some kind of default state. If you, that's not really so much of a special case because if you kill a bunch of air, bunch of creatures in like um, those striders, if you find like a flock of striders, is it a flock? <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
you find a flock of striders or armada of striders and then you kill them all and you go away for a while and come back they will just respawn in that area and there'll be about the same number of them and it's not um that's a little bit artificial but it, it's fine um for some reason that feels a lot better with like animals than it does with say far cry 2's outposts where the outposts repopulate that felt kind of frustrating that just everywhere you go if you've been away for five minutes everyone's just back and everything's re- replenished uh with animals it kind of feels possible that you know uh by natural osmosis some more horses have wandered into this place um and so the fact that hunting grounds reset themselves does not bother me at all and doesn't seem fake or anything um and so they, the trials will just be a series of things that they know this is a good area to try them in. And uh, they're also, they're often kind of fun. And then the most important and the best thing about them is that they actually teach you something about how to play the game. So that one about stunning bellowbacks to shoot their, their canisters. I had, the, the thing I couldn't get my head around when I first played Horizon was like, the, the enemies have these glowing weak spots, but they're moving so fast that I can't, like, I can't really hit them reliably. And I don't really know what hitting them does. I hadn't read all the blurb about this elemental stuff before. Um, and so it seemed like, you know, is it even worth trying to hit them? Like when I do hit them, I didn't see... I know now that it shows a big number with a, a green arrow. That means you did extra damage. I didn't understand that at the time. So I would sometimes hit the weak spot. I wouldn't really know. Have I done like loads of damage for doing that? Why did I bother doing that? And also it's so hard to do it that I, it doesn't feel viable to do it. And then this trial says, shocks and bellow backs, then shoot the canisters on them. And uh canisters on a bellow back are like right on the undercarriage and it's this thing that's, that walks very close to the ground. It's incredibly hard to hit those while it's moving around. And also it's it's like firing a flamethrower in your face at the time. Um But when you stun them, they just kind of like kneel and they just stay in the exact same pose for like five or ten seconds. And so you have all the time that you need to line up a shot on the their undercarriage and hit these things. Um That actually taught me, A, you know, that's a good tactic, but also B... One of the reasons I've been struggling with a lot of this stuff is that my arrows just don't do that much damage, much damage even when you hit the weak spot. Like, even when they are stunned and I'm hitting the exact thing, it still was taking me, like, two arrows to take out one of those canisters, and it has, like, six of them. Um, and later on, you get better weapons that... You get weapons that are more powerful in general, but then you also get um, uh, weapons that are designed to rip parts off a uh, uh, machine. And that's kind of where it starts to click. Like, that's that enables you to interact better with these systems um and yeah there were a bunch of these trials and in each trial you can get uh a one of three rankings basically silver uh bronze silver and gold um but not called that um and some of them are a little bit tricksy or special casey um uh special casey is a good friend of mine um they are some of them are just a little bit bullshit and so I didn't love all of them um, but loads of them teach you really interesting things one of them that, that was just tie down glint hawks and I've been fighting glint hawks forever and I hated them they are flying enemies so no surprise that they're incredibly annoying and uh, the game would be better without them <laughs> that's just universally true as far as I can tell um, but uh, I I knew you could tie them down in theory. There's a thing called a rope caster, and if you fire enough ropes at something, it sort of kind of traps it in place. I've never found it that useful, because if you then attack the thing, the ropes break. So it's like it's only really useful if you have multiple enemies and you want to take one of them out of the action for a while. But And so I knew that, but I'd never really done it. Um, and then there's a challenge where you specifically just have to tie down some glint hawks. And uh, I did it. 
I got close enough to them when they were low enough that I could tie them down. And then I didn't kill them uh, while they were tied down. And I went around and tied the other ones down. And I just found that if you don't actually attack the things you tie down, they just stay tied for like, I looked it up and it's 90 seconds, like a minute and a half. And they can't, seemingly can't attack or move. They're just completely out of the game for 90 seconds, which is incredible because you can just handle anything that way. If you can just, if there's like five hawks now, you can just tie down four of them and then take out the last one or even tie down five of them. And the, by the time you've done it, the first one still won't be free and you can just at your leisure sort of you can't do all of your damage to them because after a little bit of damage like i say they break free but you can just plan out your attack and that's another thing i love about horizon is that there's a huge amount of um like if you have time to prep and your your target is going to be staying still you can magnify the amount of damage you're going to do you know, tremendously or that's even simplifying it um you can set up a massively more effective attack, like hitting those electric canisters in such a way that they'll shock everything else, or hitting... Uh, Glindhawks actually have a frost canister on their chest that has armor on it, and so if you can take out that armor and then hit the frost canister, it'll blow up and it'll freeze the Glindhawk and it'll freeze anything else nearby, and then they take extra damage. So if you also... You can do that and then also, like, either slightly before you do that or right after you do that, hit them with a sticky mine so it's stuck to them that's on a time delay as well so you could hit them with a sticky mine uh, burst their chest freeze canister so that they get frozen and take extra damage and then the proximity mine uh, sorry sticky mine goes off and d- deals the extra damage because now they're frozen um, and stuff like that is really satisfying so the fact that like there are let me look it up I have it on screen now um, I'm trying to say how many creatures there are there are like Six, twelve. I think there are twenty-six different kinds of animals. Um, I just call them creatures and animals. Where they are neither; they're machines. <laughs> um, there are actual, funny enough, animals in this game. There are just like boars and uh, chickens and stuff. Um, those are not a threat. You can just kill them for resources. Um, but each one of those has its own, you know, design that involves weak spots and um i'll just call them components actually because that's what they are um and weak spots doesn't fully do it justice because that like i say they have these elemental effects they have these special tricks you can do with them um and then all of their attacks would also be in some way manifested on their body like if they have if they can hit you with their tail their tail is a component and you can shoot that off and then they can't hit you with their tail and if they have an elemental attack that you can then shooting the canister that corresponds to that will stop them from using that elemental attack uh, some of them have guns mounted on them and you can shoot those guns off if you shoot the gun off before you kill it you can also pick up that gun and a thing I've just started doing now this leads me into to the other thing I want to say about it is um, I'm, I'm doing a really weird thing actually I've, <laughs> I just finished the game I just finished the, the main quest and uh, the last boss fight is terrible I hate it <laughs> passionately like it's even worse than the normal last boss fights and I hate all last boss fights um, but I got through it I had to put the game down on easy and uh, I ran out of ammo I'm doing this at a ridiculously high level because I've done everything else in the game basically um, and it was still absurdly ridiculously hard um, and in a boring annoying way but <laughs> for some reason after I finished it it then puts you back in the world and says oh you can still do your side quests and stuff and I thought no I want to I'm going to load the save from before I finish the game and then do all the side quests then, and then maybe finish the game again. Because in retrospect, all the different sequences in the, in the final mission 
in retrospect, I realized, oh shit, if I'd been wearing this outfit for that one, that would have gone way better. And I realized loads of better ways to do it. And also I ran out of a certain kind of resource. And so I've loaded an old save. And now before I do the end of the game again, I'm going to tie up all loose ends. Um, and I am going to make sure I have enough of the thing I ran out of, which is Blaze, uh, which is the fuel resource, the fire one. Um, and I wasn't expected to run out of that because I've had way too much of it for most of the game. But the end sequence, I ended up using a whole load of explosive and fire-based things. A lot of the enemies you're fighting are weak to fire. Um, and I ran out of Blaze and I couldn't do it. And that was one of the things that pissed me off so much. It was like, uh, this boss just was so fucking difficult. This did not, by the way... Uh, it didn't obey the the component system a hundred percent. It had elements of that component system, but it wasn't satisfying in all the ways the other uh, fighting the other kinds of creatures are. Uh, I wasn't able to shoot any components off it ever, no matter how many uh, arrows I pumped into it. Um, even the special ones that are designed to rip components off. And eventually, I, you know, I just ran out of all of my good kinds of ammo, and that that, that was how long this fucking fight had gone on. And that pissed me off. But also, if I'm going to do it again, I don't think I don't think I should do it again. I don't know why I'm planning to do it again. I'm very ill. That's what's going on. Um, if I am, then I want to make sure I have enough blaze next time. And so now I'm going around the world and trying to get more blaze. And you find it all over the place. Like loads of different creatures have it. You know, those strider things. Those strider things. If I find an armada of striders, as I often do, um, I can. I'm incredibly stealthy now, and I can sneak up to each individual one and backstab it. And one hit for free doesn't cost me any resources to do it. Um, and the others won't see. And I can just kill each of them methodically like that. And they all have one blaze on them. And that's a decent... Um, that's what I've been doing most of the game. And I've had more blaze than I need. But now that I have need to stop pilot, um, I'm suddenly looking at these systems more closely. And for a while, I've had these things called harvester arrows that never sounded that appealing to me. Because, like I say, I wasn't short on these, these canister resources, really. Um... But a harvester arrow, all it does, it's not really more effective than the other arrows, but if you shoot a canister with it, it takes it off cleanly. And then when you pick it up, now that I come to use it, uh, it just said you get more resources. And I thought, okay, like two instead of one? I don't know. Um, now that I come to use it, I find you get like eight or six, um, which is way more than you get from just killing the thing normally. And so now I'm on this kind of self-directed quest to just kind of prowl the lands looking for things that have blaze canisters on them and then quietly and cleanly shooting them off, hiding as these things, you know, obviously panic and look for me um, and then sneaking around them after kind of, they know where the arrow came from so they'll come in your direction and you have to kind of like roll and, and sneak through the bushes to circle around them and go to where you shot them and pick up the canister whilst they are looking for you where you used to be. Um, and that's an incredibly like satisfying methodical thing and also it just like feels really good to like you know take part off a machine cleanly and silently uh, and have it not turn into a fight just you know, for you to be able to like sneak around I was doing it to the striders earlier and uh, actually I did get rumbled and I managed to lose them again but then I couldn't get to the blaze canisters I'd knocked off easily so I ended up sneaking up on them killing them anyway uh, which felt weird because it was like shooting the canister off is in theory a way to get your resources without having to kill the the thing but uh, I ended up killing them anyway just because it's more convenient and yeah you still make a much bigger blaze profit that way um, so that's the thing that's I mean that's kind of the sort of things I just did for the first I don't know 20, 30 hours of playing this game. <laughs> like, once I didn't have to do any quests, I stopped doing quests and I just went out into the world. And it does a good job of um, 
giving you natural reasons to want certain things from certain creatures. For a lot of it, you're just, I mean, when you're new in this world, you're, you're just trying to get good loot, just trying to get cool stuff. Um, and you'll get that from higher level creatures. Uh, they are... The fact that they're a bit like bosses means that they work as boss fights, like they are good boss fights, and they're, they are... They share the things with a boss fight that people who like boss fights want, which is they're climactic and exciting, um, uh, and a change of pace. Um, and But they also work for me because they're systemic and they obey the rules I already know, and I can use my tools and tactics that I understand on them, and they'll behave consistently. Um, and the neat thing about that is that in the early game... Uh, there's you fight something called a sawtooth and that's kind of like the first boss really and you have to set up traps ahead of time and really plan your approach and try and lure him into your trip wires and then once he's shot run in and and get some critical hits in and and uh try and you know really set up this this orchestrated ambush to try and take one of those guys down and at this point i um those things are just like um plankton to me like i can just take them on without a thought uh i can take on multiple sore teeth sore teeth i think the plural is uh, an armada of sore teeth <laughs> um and that's that's not really because i'm much tougher or do much more damage now i do a bit more damage um but the sort of the ramp up in your sort of raw power is i think it's you make a big jump in that in getting the basic set of weapons and then once you've got the basic set of weapons the better weapons don't actually do more damage they just have um they allow you to fire more a wider range of different ammo types some of which are more effective so like the um uh the precision bow lets you fire an arrow that does a bit more damage uh but then more importantly it lets you also fire tear blast arrows which are the ones that can are especially good at ripping off components and once you craft some of those, now you've got a thing that's really good at this one particular job of just taking something off a, a creature. And so there are times when you want to do damage to kill it, and there are times when you want to disable a certain part of it, and there are times when you want to uh, uh, rip off a piece of armor so that you can get it a weak spot, uh, and that kind of stuff. So you get way more effective once you have those basic tools. Um, and but the reason I can take out a Sawtooth so much better now is just that I understand the game much better and that I have all those tools, um, have all those options, and have all these different ways of delivering the damage that I want to deliver, and I know what the optimal combination is. Um, and I really enjoy that as a progression thing. Like, that is... Uh, as I walk around the open world now, I feel like I'm... Uh, the whole game is kind of about you being a hunter, and uh, it's really very... Uh, it's a lot like Far Cry Primal or um, a game like that that's all about nature. Like, it's really just almost 100% about nature. The fact that they're robots is incidental. <laughs> it just makes... It's not incidental to the combat, but it's incidental to, like, the feel of it. Um, uh, that just gives them a way of making a much more interesting combat system where you have they have glowing weak spots and exploding barrels on them. Um, and so, yeah, the, like going around this world feeling completely comfortable with it because I know I can take on anything in it now. Like, I've gone through that progression of Sawtooth seemed like a boss and now it seems like a, a normal enemy. Um, and then the next thing up is like a Ravager. That seems like a boss. And then now I can take on Ravagers easily. And then the next one up is like a Snapmore. Snapmore's like a giant crocodile thing and those seemed terrifying at first. That was like, first time I blundered into one of those was just horrifying. <laughs> and I, I was destroyed. Um, 
and now snap wars just so don't scare me at all um and i know exactly how to deal with them and that just keeps happening like there are 26 enemies and probably you know, every three or four enemies there's this jump up in power that makes the, the next that one seem like a boss uh, and then you get good at it and then you those are just things you can deal with and you'll take on flocks of them armadas of them fleets of them um and uh that's a really nice progression i'm also uh the thing that helps a lot is i've got better i've got uh a higher stealth rating now like i've got my outfit gives me a bigger stealth bonus and that is very helpful um for letting you pick your battles you know it's like it's one thing to be able to take on a sawtooth, but the fact that you don't have to take on a sawtooth every single time one is even on the horizon, <laughs> that's a big plus. Um, I swear, like, it's really interesting because I, I remember saw, a sawtooth being a really huge thing, um, and they are bigger in my memory than they are in practice now. When I, like, look, look at one now, they seem so small. Like, I can hardly tell the difference between the size of that and the size of a scrapper, which is, like, one of the most basic enemies. Um, and that's a really neat... I think that tells you the game is working but when you have sort of psychological distortion of, of memory um, about this thing that is that is consistent as far as I know the, the sword, a sawtooth is a fixed enemy it's always the same power it's always just as tough it's always just as powerful um, and they're less threatening to me now for all kinds of reasons um, and so they just seem smaller so it has that great progression and uh, it's also another thing it shares with Far Cry primal in particular is um has a it's not really a crafting system so much but to, to buy certain things you need um the vendors want to trade with you for a bunch of money but also a particular item and so if you want the that sharp shot bow that lets you fire tear blast arrows i can't remember what it is but let's say it's a um a scrapper heart that you need and a, a heart is basically the cpu of the, the creature um and you only get them every so often when you kill one, um, which is an aspect of the game I don't like that much, actually, that the, the loot drops are random and sometimes you need a particular thing and you don't get it. Um, but if you want this bow because you want to be able to knock things off creatures better, then you need a scrapper heart, and so you need to go and find some scrappers and you need to kill some scrappers and then loot them. And uh, that is a uh, a sort of self-directed quest. Like, I'm hesitant to call it crafting because I don't think of myself as someone who likes crafting games. I don't really like big recipes and, and oh, I've got to get five of this and ten of this and one of this. Uh, this is not like that at all, really. Uh, it has some element of that for, for other things, for making potions and stuff, but um, that's not super important. The main thing is just like you need a new weapon or you need a new outfit, and those things generally only require one item. It's a bunch of money and one item, and that one item is something that is dropped by a certain kind of creature, and so you go out and you find that certain kind of creature. And um, there are other kinds of loot too that are valuable, but the fact that um, the game has just given me a really good long set of uh, of goals that were really felt like they were my goals, felt like things that I had decided to go out and do for myself. And the way I went about them was not to look it up in a book or anything, or or go where you know an NPC told me to. It was using my own knowledge of the world or exploring the world until I knew enough about it to know where to go to that I would find a scrapper, that I would find a long leg, um, and then killing them and getting those things. And then there's also 
another aspect to that is that you can uh, override some creatures. You can plug your spear into them and hack them, and that's kind of a stealth attack. Like you need to get close to them without them knowing you're there, or you can stun them and then run up to them when they're incapacitated. Um, and if for those kinds of creatures, if you get close enough and you do that and you hold down the button long enough, then they turn to your side and they fight for you. And you can upgrade that skill so that they fight you few forever, like it never wears off. Um, they will despawn if you go far enough away from them in the world, but uh, for the foreseeable future, they're on your side. And which ty- which kinds you can override is determined by... You start with a couple basic ones, but then as you go out into the world, there's these cauldrons, which are like uh, factories underground. Um, and if you go into a cauldron and you get to the end of it... Um, you unlock the ability to hack another three or four types of creatures. And there are actually only, I think, two, maybe three kinds of creatures in the whole game that you can't hack. Everything else uh, you can hack. And what you can hack is by no means limited by its power. Like the the two or three that you can't hack, one of them is a a non-combat creature that can never attack anything. Two of them are just creatures that only come up in the plot. You only ever encounter them when you're on a story mission. And... I guess there are story reasons they don't want you to better hack them. There also makes a certain amount of sense um, that you can't hack those ones. Uh, but the fucking T-Rex that you've seen, if you've seen any trailers of this, the like, fucking enormous thing that's one of the most powerful enemies of the game, you can hack that. <laughs> you can hack the giant flying dragon type thing. Um, just everything else. The, the other 23 creatures, you can hack them if you've gone to the right cauldron and you've got the right things. Unfortunately, the cauldron missions themselves are kind of garbage. Um, this game is much, much better at outside stuff than it is at inside stuff. And so the inside bits, they're just very dark and it's very hard to see where you can and can't go. And it's very easy to get stuck in a way that you're now out of bounds and you can't get back into the level. It's very easy to... Uh, not know which direction to go and then in exploring and trying to find which direction to go drop down a ledge that looks safe but actually it's fatal because you weren't supposed to go there and stuff like that um, so those I, I did not enjoy but um, they're not too difficult and uh, well the first one was, was difficult and I kept failing it um, I'd fail it for bullshit reasons like I fell down a, a, a ledge that looked perfectly safe but secretly wasn't Um and then when I restart, I'd, I'd die in the combat part and then get really pissed off. And so I put the difficulty down to easy for a while and did that one that way. Since then, I haven't had so much trouble with them because I just know the game much better. And so any combat stuff is going to be um, uh, manageable. And then any navigation stuff, uh, I've learned that you just turn the quest arrow on and you set it to waypoints. And then it will tell you pretty precisely where to go. And uh, I still dislike them. Um, one of them literally... You just start in a fucking circular arena with a goddamn T-Rex. <laughs> and that's it. There's nowhere to hide. There's no cover. There, you just have no tactical options. You just have to just uh, just deal with it. And it's a, it's a question of constantly dodging. And, uh, you know, if you use the right weapons in the right order, then it does enough damage that you can take it out. But also I, I had to go away and upgrade my medicine pouch and shit to, to increase my survivability. Um and that again, like, so that was bullshit. Like, like fighting a T-Rex in a blank arena with nothing, no interesting features was a garbage boss fight. But because I failed it and because I knew I couldn't do it, uh, it motivated me to go out into the world. And, and so A, I finally unlocked the skill that doubles the capacity of a medicine pouch, which is a thing I wasn't interested in. 
you know, in, in a skill tree, I always go for the stuff that suits my kind of play style and toughness is not one of my things I care about. But here was a case where I'm just like, well, I can't get past this unless I'm really, unless I can really take a lot of damage. Um, and, uh, so I just kind of need this skill. And so I had to go out and get some skill points. And then once I got the skill points, spent them on that thing. And then once I had the increased medicine pouch capacity, um, I then had to go around and find enough medicine plants to fill that capacity um, in order to have enough, you know, uh, stuff that that was actually an advantage. And that was another little self-directed goal. And it ended up being the process of working towards those goals was really fun. And, and I was able to do it in whatever way I wanted. Um and then I went back and I fought the bullshit T-Rex and it was pretty easy that time and uh, I got the ability to hack T-Rexes and now I can hack T-Rexes and that is a, a source of joy in my life. <laughs> I have, I actually did some grinding for once. I, this game has, has brought out in me a whole load of gamer tendencies that I usually do not have. One is I never normally grind for anything. Uh, you know, if a game requires that, I just don't play the game. Um, but in this case, I wanted... Uh, Okay, so yeah, so my goal, my self-directed goal was um, I had finally got to the point where I could afford the top-level stealth outfit. Um, there are different levels of outfits, and the outfits are basically, they resist one of the elements, or they resist range attacks, or they resist melee attacks, or they increase your stealth. And the stealth one gives no extra protection, but it helps with stealth. I love stealth. I will go for the stealth thing if I humanly can. And I had, I had the, the lowest level of that, stealth outfit and i put some stealth mods in it um i actually had two stealth mods i'd fitted one in my starting outfit that to increase its stealth because it was stealth outfit then later i decided i didn't like the look of that I had a lot of um i didn't like the colors so much and there's a really cool looking outfit um that resists against shock which i don't care about at all but it looks like a kind of welder's apron um and uh it just looks really cool on her um it looks like incredibly practical and no nonsense and uh uh and i just really like the look of it and i thought you know generally in games i will go for the outfit that looks better versus the one that has better stats and so even though this is like real core gamer values being fighting within me because like um the incredibly uh uh, focus on stealth and always want the stealth thing and I'll be as stealthy as humanly possible but also I really believe in like don't have a horrible ugly outfit just because the stats are better like the stats being better doesn't necessarily make you like the game more it doesn't necessarily make your game experience better being more effective is not necessarily you know automatically more fun whereas having a character you like the look of and that you kind of um I don't know increases your kind of bond with your character like how much you care about them uh if they kind of suit if their style is something that you you picked yourself and that you really personally like so i had fitted a stealth mod to the shock outfit because i like the look of the shock outfit but i really really did want stealth and also i had it in my head that i thought like eh, i'm not sure how much difference the stealth is really making it might be one of those like it's saying i'm getting plus 40 self but i don't really know what that means is that like you know that might just be i can get four percent closer to an enemy before he spots me um so I was a little bit skeptical about whether it was doing anything. But then when I could afford the top level stealth outfit, it has two slots in it for modifications. And my two stealth mods were in the original um, outfits that were less good. And there is... So I thought, well, I'll just find some new stealth mods because I find really good mods these days. If you take out something like a T-Rex, you always get like multiple top level modifications from them. 
Um, and they could be anything from like something that increases the fire damage of your fire arrows or um, something that increases, uh, you know, melee attack resistance of an outfit. Um, and, but the other possible way I could go about this is there is a, a higher level skill for that lets you take modifications out of things. Uh, usually you can't reuse them, but this if you have the skill, you can do that. And again, that's something that is not the kind of thing I'd normally go down. I don't go down like the resource conservation path of a skill tree. Uh, it's always available, and I always see it there, and I'm always like, eh, I don't care about that. I want to be a stealthy, cool hunter person. Um, and so this led to my grinding because I thought, all right, well... I think the way I'm going to solve this problem is I'm going to kill a bunch of high-level stuff until I get some good stealth mods, and then I'm going to put the good stealth mods in my new cool suit that has two slots for these things and is already good at stealth, um, and that will solve the problem. But if I don't find stealth mods, you know, I don't really like to grind for something that's just a, a chance of finding the thing. Um, my fallback is killing T-Rexes will get me a lot of experience, uh, and I will eventually level up and get enough skill points to get this this reusing mods thing. This was... I didn't think that was going to happen because this was eight points away. I had two points, I think, so it was six points away. Uh, you only get one point per level, so I'd have to level up six times to get enough points to get this thing. And that also, that made me resistant to doing it because it was investing so many points in this tree that I wouldn't normally care about just for this one thing, just of just getting these stealth mods into my stealth suit. Um, so that was, that was a, re a remote plan B. Um, and... What I got was, what I found was, there's, uh, usually, if you find a, a, what's called a machine site, if you find a strider site, um, then that'll be like four or five striders. If you find a bellowback site, it'll be maybe three bellowbacks, maybe two. If you find a, a thunderjaw site, I think that's the right name for the T-Rexes, uh, typically it'd only been one. But there's one thunderjaw site where there's two of them. And... I can hack Thunderjaws. <laughs> They're the T-Rex things. I can hack T-Rexes. And so if I can get close enough to one of those T-Rexes and hack it, now I've got a T-Rex that's going to fight the other T-Rex. <laughs> and like I say, normally I wouldn't go into grinding, but if gr by grinding you mean stealthing up to a T-Rex to hack it and then causing it to fight another T-Rex, and then while they fight, choosing which bits of the T-Rexes I want to shoot off with my tear blast arrows to like like rip guns off their backs and pick them up and use them to join in the fight that's the kind of grinding I can do like I'm happy to do that I'm happy to do that multiple times and I did it about I think I might have done it like six times maybe eight um and uh it was great fun it was at first really difficult to get close enough to them I kind of I got a strategy in the end which is like I don't know if something's not got good detection you can just sneak up to it if it does have good detection, what you want to do is hide in some tall grass and then whistle to it, and it will come over to you. And it's balanced such that the range at which they detect you is a little bit less than the range at which you can hack them. So if you're in tall grass, you can just wait for them to get to you, and then as soon as the hack prompt comes up, you press it. If you're doing that to a T-Rex, who is the size of a fucking skyscraper, um, it still works. You can still sit in the tall grass and whistle. Technically, they have a radar that can detect you in tall grass, but they won't use it unless they're actually hunting for prey, like unless they actually think there's a hostile thing around. When you just whistle, they're just suspicious, so they, they stomp over to you. But you're waiting in the grass to like for them to get in hacking range. And like the earth is shaking as they're walking towards you. And as they get closer to you, like the range... I don't know, range is a very different thing when you're, you're talking about a T-Rex because, like, 
if we're talking about getting within two meters of it, I mean, getting within two meters of its like jaw as the crow flies, it's going to be above me long before I can touch any part of it. <laughs> like it's going to be towering over me uh, several steps before I can get near its foot, which is what I actually need to hack because I can't reach up to anything, any other part of him. Um, and in fact, the foot, it's, you know, it's steps are significant. So if it steps, uh, if one step takes it like six meters away from me, the next one is going to be more or less on me. <laughs> it's not going to be one meter away. Um, and so hacking your T-Rex is like you wait in the bush uh, and it's just stomps closer and closer and closer and you just feel your death coming because it's the <laughs> biggest, scariest thing ever. Um, and then at some point it just kind of, it either steps directly on you or it steps so close to you that you actually take damage. Like you just, the whole earth shakes, your person screams and... Uh, uh, your health bar goes down and while that's happening that's when you've got to hack it and you know it's seeing you you know it's getting ready to destroy you but for like as long as that progress bar is on screen it can't directly attack you anything else can happen the other t-rex can see you um other creatures can get aggroed but the creature you're hacking is kind of like paralyzed while you're hacking it and so you just have to like also there's like animation glitches where as you're hacking it it wants to show like the sort of hack wires going through it when you hack something you, you these blue wires go through it and to show those it takes pieces of armor off the creature it doesn't actually get weaker it gets stronger but um as part of that process it kind of like armor chunks fall off and when it's something that's the size of like i don't know um a large dog uh armor pieces falling off it don't really cause any problems when it's the size of a t-rex armor pieces falling off it just like clanging around knocking you back from it it doesn't actually stop you hacking it but it looks for all the world like it is like it's knocked you out of range and now you can't hack it but you just have to hold on to that button for dear life so you're being knocked around you've just lost health everything is about to see you um but if you just keep that progress bar going um and like tragically and horrifically the first time i got this close and i was doing this i pressed the button and it didn't the progress bar didn't come up immediately so i did the worst possible thing and i let go of the button to then press it again and what that did was it actually was about to show that progress bar and it did show that progress bar just at the time that i let go of the button and then i'm like no shit and then i've got to like press it down again but now because i've started hacking it it's definitely detected me and once it's once it's for sure detected you you can't hack it anymore. And so I lost the opportunity to do that. And then it was just fucking two T-Rexes fighting me. And that was the end of my life. Um, but if you can, if you, once you know, this is one of those other things where like me getting, uh, my increased power in this game is much more about me knowing how to play the game than it is about my character getting more powerful. And so now I know if you like lesson one, don't try and hack it until you actually get the prompt. Lesson two, the moment you see the prompt, press the fucking button. Do not press any other buttons. Continue to hold that button. Do not do anything else until that creature is 100% hacked. Like, it, it almost never interrupts you. It's, like, feasible. If you're already under attack from something else, then that attack can still land while you're hacking. And if that knocks you far enough away from the creature, then it can interrupt it. But 99% of the time, nothing will interrupt it. So you just have to believe in it and <laughs> just hold that thing down. And then you've hacked a fucking T-Rex. And once you've hacked a fucking T-Rex, you can just watch two T-Rexes fight. And then there's an extra level of, of gain to it because you, you're you going to get the loot from both T-Rexes. Well, well, okay, no, there's, there's two extra levels of gain to this. One is this: your T-Rex is going to kill the other T-Rex. It almost always wins because when you hack something, I don't know, it gets more health or it gets more damage. I've never really figured out what it is. But if you, if you hack a creature of type A 
it will easily defeat another creature of type A. It can usually defeat like two creatures of type A uh, that are on that are unhacked. Um, you do this with a T Rex. Your T Rex is going to win. So then you've got to decide like, uh, can you get the killing blow on the non-hacked T Rex? Because you want it to die for the loot, but if you get the kill, then you get a load of experience. And so you're really hoping to get the last shot in. But also, if you're stealthy, uh, when the two are fighting, that other T-Rex will never spot you. He'll, you're totally safe. He's not going to do anything. Um, if you shoot him at all, T-Rexes have very, very quick aggro reactions. <laughs> and uh, if you shoot it and you don't kill it, now he's going to attack you instead of the other T-Rex. And he'll still die eventually, but he may well destroy you in the process. Uh, so that's one part. Then the other part is that, uh, regardless of whether you get the credit for the kill that, that happens, you still want to kill the other T-Rex. Like two T-Rexes fight, yours will win, yours will be somewhat damaged by the process, usually like half health, um, and then you want to kill that one. And killing one T-Rex is kind of doable in a big enough arena, but it's much, much easier if you have a disc launcher. And a disc launcher is a T-Rex weapon. They have two of them on their back. And if you shoot one with a tear blast arrow, it comes off. And then you can walk over and pick it up. In general, that is an extremely difficult thing to pull off. Because first you've got to shoot an arrow at a T-Rex and survive, <laughs> which is rare. Um, the Hitting the, the disc launcher is not too hard because it's very big. Uh, it only takes one tear blast arrow to rip it off. But then it falls at the T-Rex's feet. So after it, even if you manage to escape its aggro, you've then got to get over to where the T-Rex generally still is and pick up the, the disc launcher from right underneath it. Um, and so the challenge of like trying to shoot off the... Uh, ideally, you shoot off the disc launcher of the one that's being attacked, the enemy one, before it dies, and then also attack it and get the credit for the kill, and then go over and get its disc launcher and then retreat back to like these high rocks and start attacking your own hacked T-Rex. When you attack a hacked creature, it does aggro on you. It, it won't put up with it. From like, It has a certain tolerance, but I think the tolerance is actually relative to the type of creature. Uh, anyway, it seems like if you hack an attack T-Rex, it really doesn't like it. <laughs> like, it'll turn on you right away. Um, there was a time when I was trying to join in with the battle between the, the hacked T-Rex and the non-hacked T-Rex, thinking, you know, I want credit for the kill or whatever, and I fired, like, one fairly standard arrow into the fray at the T-Rex that I thought was the enemy one to try and finish it off and it wasn't the enemy one it was my one who was stunned and looking like he was dead but he wasn't quite dead um, he wasn't at all dead he was just stunned um, and the health bar was close enough to him that I thought it was the enemy one and uh, I shot my own T-Rex and that went from a battle that was like oh this battle's over but I'd like to also get the extra credit for it to now I have two T-Rexes fighting me <laughs> neither of them are on my side and I'm totally fucked uh, there's I think, to this day, the worst arrow I've ever shot in a game. <laughs> like the most disastrous consequences of not only failing to kill a target, but hitting the wrong target, turning that target against me, which essentially saves the other target and gives me an extra T-Rex to deal with. Uh, yeah, so you want to steal the disc launcher, then you want to retreat to a safe distance with your hacked T-Rex. You've got time to do this because he won't attack you until you attack. But then when you attack him, you really need to be sure of taking him down. And the, the disc launcher... How much damage can you do with a disc launcher in total as a percentage of a T-Rex's health? I think it's about 50% if you get off all the shots. But if it fights back, which it will, uh, the damage from its attacks, you'll usually survive. But if it does anything that knocks you down, then you're, that's going to interrupt your ability to attack it. And then it can get wildly out of control. So that was what I did grinding on. I did that six 
six or eight times. Um, not seven, definitely not seven. Um, and it was thoroughly entertaining. I enjoyed every minute of it because it went differently every time. You know, sometimes I picked a fight with the surviving T-Rex and it was just way too powerful. And I had to drop the disc launcher and sprint away and go and get some more healing herbs and heal up and come back. And, uh, other times it was easy. Like one time the enemy T-Rex damn nearly won. Like I had to intervene and, and kill the enemy T-Rex. That never happens with lesser creatures. I think it's because these big T-Rexes, they have so many different attacks that they can do and they're very different in terms of their effectiveness and probably different again in their effectiveness against other T-Rexes. Um, and so there's a, probably a strong random element to how effective it ends up being because it just depends on which attack they happen to use. Um, and the stakes are so much higher with, with weapons of that power that it can just sort of the dice can go badly and you can end up with your T-Rex nearly dead uh, even though the, I think I'm pretty sure that a hacked T-Rex is like twice as powerful as a non-hacked T-Rex but um, yeah it was different every time and I uh, did not find a single stealth modification in all of that <laughs> none of them had it but I was killing many many T-Rexes and they leveled up many many times and by the end of it I realised oh I just have enough points to get that modification uh, like that perk that I can take modifications out of uh, an outfit and so I went back and I took all the modifications out of my early outfits and put it into my new outfit now my new outfit does I'm going to check because I want to be correct about this um, my current stealth outfit has 86 stealth which is uh, I think it's a percentage bonus and I don't know for sure how it works, but I the way it feels to me is that like if um, if something could detect me at ten meters uh, with no stealth, then with eighty six stealth it can detect you at one point four meters. Uh, so eighty six percent off the detection radius. Like you can get really fucking close to stuff in stealth mode without it detecting you, um, and it's kind of ridiculous. And you can uh, it makes you kind of like just in charge of the whole world basically you decide what what battles happen and what battles don't and if you attack something it doesn't help you much once something's already aggroed on you like it's hard to lose uh, aggro but um i'm actually playing horizon now i should stop <laughs> but it is um uh really accentuates that feeling of being a hunter you know like i'm just uh it doesn't look like this, but I like to imagine I'm basically wearing a ghillie suit. Like I'm just, I'm just a moving shrub. Like if I don't want to be seen, I just don't get seen. And then when I attack, everyone's like, oh shit, that shrub's attacking us. Let's, let's focus on that shrub. So it still doesn't take the challenge of the game away, but it does let you be a, a sort of like, um, a perfect predator, just like, uh, hunting whatever you want to hunt and, uh, taking on whatever you want to take on. Um, and the game just has a really good pattern of that. Like, one of the things I really enjoy about it is that every time I see a, a creature that I'm about to take on, I stop and I look it up in my notebook because my notebook will tell me what all its weak spots are, what types of damage they're most vulnerable to, what will happen when I destroy this certain component. Will it cause a a, a, um, a shockwave? Will it blow up in flame? Will it do nothing? Uh, will it disable it? You know, which of its attacks will be neutralized by that? Um, and so you stalk something, you research it, then you plan an attack you can lay down traps tripwires and stuff like that um and in particular you plan a sequence of attacks because it's not just i want to deal this amount of damage it's i want to stun it first that'll give me enough time to 
I was fighting a creature earlier that can burrow under the ground and it spends 90% of its time underground and it's really frustrating because you can't do anything when it's there and then it'll pop up below you and you can't react fast enough. Um, so I, when it popped up, I would hit it with shock arrows until it was shocked. When it was shocked, that disabled it for 5 to 10 seconds, which let me pump enough ropes into it that it was then tied down. Um, because if I only got a few ropes into it each time it came up, they would all snap but when it back, went back down and I'd make no progress. So I had to shock it for a brief interruption, then rope it for a longer interruption, and then while it was roped, I was able to override it and hack it to my side, and then when it was hacked, I was able to like prepare an even more elaborate trap to, to coax it into um, and take it out. So planning that like sequence of attacks, knowing all the enemy's weak spots and stuff, is just really satisfying. And the thing that's striking me right now, because I'm doing all these quests, well, I've done all the main quests and um, uh, a bunch of the side ones now, uh, is like a lot of the actual stuff you have to do in those quests is is fighting monsters, uh, sorry, fighting machines, um, which is the very thing I enjoy. But it's so much less interesting and so much less satisfying when it's because of a quest. The quest really, it's either fighting humans, fighting machines, or the only time you're not doing that is you're using your like Batman vision to track uh, to view tracks in the world that then lead you to the next location, which just essentially means following a pink trail through the world. Like, you're a hunter, they obviously really wanted to get this hunter feeling, and they do in the open world, but in the missions, they want you to feel like a hunter, like, following tracks, and I don't know, the theory of that, I, I don't think that walking down a glowing pink trail that just leads in one direction and is completely unambiguous gets any of that feeling across at all. And I also think it's one of the most boring things you can do in a game is just follow a glowing pink trail to the next hotspot where the next cutscene will happen. Or worse, the investigation stage where you have to use the scanning vision to see pink hotspots in the world. And then for each one, you've got to point your cursor at it, wait for a scanning process to finish, then come out of scanning mode and walk up to it and press interact on it to actually like have her say the right thing about it, uh, which is just busy work. There's no, it's not at all fun or interesting. Um, so that's garbage. But then the stuff that is combat, it's fine, I don't dislike it, but it's so much less satisfying when someone's telling me to do it, when it's an NPC saying, go here and fight this this monster for this reason. Uh, even when there's, like, emotional stakes and when it's, like, the characters are, you know, some of them are quite fun. Um, uh, the actual, actually doing it is so much less interesting when you're just being told to do it and it's part of a story and they, someone scripted it. And that same stuff when it's out in the open world and the reason I'm killing this thing is because I've decided I need this component from it and when I get this component I will be able to get this new cool new bit of equipment for me I don't know, the, getting the new equipment isn't inherently interesting like the plus X you know, plus 10 damage or using this new ammo type is not I'm not mega excited about that, that's not the reason I'm enjoying it, the reason I'm enjoying it is because it was a, a goal I made for myself and then I went out and I tackled that goal by applying the knowledge I had about the world or exploring the world to get more knowledge about the world and then using my knowledge of that world and those systems to hunt prey of my choice and get what I wanted out of it. Um, and that is just awesome. And it's making me think a lot more, more about, um, I don't know, self-directed goals and, and uh, the value of making the player... Under, no, making the player... Making the player's goals feel like the player decided to do them. Uh, crafting systems seem to be good for that and I don't really <laughs> I'm not making a game with crafting in it I don't plan to but I want to think more about like how to get those kinds of um, that kind of arrangement in there that kind of pattern of the player coming up with their own goals pursuing them 
with uh, their own knowledge of the game world and uh, having these really satisfying experiences. Hello again. It's me, Chris, again. Now, Tom also forgot to say goodbye in any in any substantial way. So, uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>